0: from the gospel of Luke, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen." Good morning. It's good to see you. We're going to be spending the next few weeks in the gospel of Luke, and we're starting today with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's really appropriate that this parable begins with a man trying to justify himself before God, uh, because that's exactly what I've been doing as I've tried to wrestle with the text for this week. You see, my wife and I became homeowners about a year and a half ago. We bought a place uh, in South Vero, and uh, up until I started reading this passage, I could maybe tell you one of my neighbor's names not a great neighbor. And so this week I was like, well, I should probably fix myself before I give a sermon. And so I made it my duty, you know, my, I was driven to get to know all of my neighbors. And so I think it was Tuesday, I went to talk to the next door neighbor on my right, and we had a wonderful conversation. Uh, you know, we we're talking about, you know, our, our past, how we got to Vera, what we did for a living. And then about 15 minutes into the conversation, he very kindly said to me, by the way, I'm not Ed, I'm actually his repairman. Uh, so, I, I had, was, not, was not my neighbor. Uh, that's how well I knew my neighbors. In fact, uh, it turns out that my neighbor to my right is 30 years his senior. Uh, so, maybe I should get my eyes checked, but at the same time, I've not been a great neighbor, and I understand the lawyer's desire to justify himself. Uh, and boy, was that an embarrassing moment. So, I love to relive those for everyone. Um, so, having failed spectacularly at this, I've come up with a list of justifications about why I didn't know my neighbor. I've justified myself. Are you ready? Here they are. I'm too busy, right? I work. I've got two young kids. I don't have time to get to know my neighbors. They're too busy, right? I mean, they've got their own lives. They probably don't want to talk to some total stranger, so they've got stuff they have to do. I'm an introvert. I'm not. But that's a good excuse, right? Like I'm an introvert. I don't don't like to talk to people. We have different schedules. Uh, I'm bad at small talk. That one's true, by the way. Just find out at coffee hour after this. Um, but, you know, so I'm bad at small talk. It could be awkward. Uh, we're in different stages of life. We probably don't have common interests, and I'm a millennial, and I found out, by the way, that that's kind of the catch-all for things that are wrong with people my age, so I'm just going to tell you that, and you all can shake your heads like, yeah, that's probably, that's probably the problem. Um, but I went, so I went and I created a list of things of ways to justify myself, and now I'm off the hook. See how easy that was? I'm off the hook. In fact, and you know this, right? The way, the way that you live, the way that I live, we are so good at justifying ourselves, it doesn't take nearly that many reasons. It takes one. And we let ourselves off the hook really easily. It's really easy for us to not do the things that the Bible calls us to do. We're experts at it. We're experts in the law. So, and you do this too, by the way. If you're, like, like, let's, let's be honest about this. The last time you skipped exercising when you know you should have you, you justified it, right? I'm, I'm tired, I have things to… Right? Like, I mean, you should have exercised. Let's be honest about that. You're just justifying. Last time you had that last drink or too much chocolate or whatever or lashed out in an argument, you've justified it and you made it okay. That's how our minds work. And I want you to keep this in mind. Hold, hold, this, hold this in your hand as we go through this, this sermon together because I can, I can bet you, if you're anything like me, which you are, as we read this parable and as we read about Jesus' story, that defense attorney, that inner defense attorney that we have is going to jump up and is going to want to justify yourself. And so keep that in mind as we look at our text. So our text is in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and it's in your bulletins. And and I'm going to go through this this story again. Uh, Verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? this lawyer would have been an expert in religious law, right? Back then, um, the religious law and the civil law and everything was tied together. They didn't separate them like we might separate things a little bit more now. And so, this, this lawyer was a religious scholar. He was an expert. I mean, maybe, what, like an ethics professor combined with uh, a, a modern-day lawyer. And so, he goes to test Jesus, and, and, and you know, that's first of all, that's never a good idea. Don't do that, right? Like, like don't go and try to test Jesus. People do this all the time in the New Testament, and Jesus always confounds them. But He goes to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being Jesus, flips the question on Him and says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Let's see what your answer is. And so, He answered. He said, you know, it's, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've already heard that once today, haven't you? We say it every week during our liturgy. We call It's the summary of the law. It's still applicable today, and uh, it's still true that those are things that we should do today. And so, He gives them the standard answer. And this was a standard answer back then. The Lord is not making this up. This is actually found in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy the Shema Deuteronomy 6.5. It's found in Leviticus 19.18. In fact, you all know your Ten Commandments, right? You could even look at the Ten Commandments this way. The first half are loosely love God, and the last portion are loosely, you know, love your neighbor, or, or at least don't murder or commit adultery, right? You all follow me on that? So, again, it's a very nice way to summarize the law. And so, that's Jesus' response, and you could imagine that the conversation could end with that, right? There's, you know, yeah, and Jesus says, do this and you shall live, period. Amen. No, but, but it goes on, and here's why it goes on. The lawyer being smart, right, because one, one of the things that many lawyers are great at is finding, is looking at the precision of the language being used, right, looking at the precision of the language being used and trying to find loopholes or, or close loopholes. Would you all agree with that? And so, he notices something here. It's like, well, that's a, that's a pretty crushing burden, right? I mean, how many of you have perfectly loved all of your neighbors today? You haven't. I mean, you could have done breakfast and bed and the whole thing, but, but it wasn't, you know, like that's not the full weight of love that you're called to do. How many of you have perfectly loved God today? I mean, you're in church. That's, that's a really positive thing, right? But, but with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength, you see, it's a, it, that, that's, a, that's a crushing burden, that commandment. And so, what's the text say? Trying, you know, so, he says, in trying to justify himself, right, the lawyer's trying to justify himself. What must I do to inherit eternal life?" So trying to justify himself, he's trying to seek to limit what the law is calling him to do, trying to seek the, what the, a limit to what the law is calling him to do. It was conventional wisdom at the time, for example, that you would have boundaries in place around those whom you ought to love. And you all do this too, right? If I, if I tell you to love your neighbor, you, would, you start creating boundaries around the people that you're called to love. trying to justify Himself. And so, Jesus, knowing the man's heart, He begins to tell him a story. He says this, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving the man half dead. There's a narrow and treacherous… Has anybody been over to Israel, by the way? Has anybody ever taken the trip over? I see a few few of you have. This road from Jerusalem to Jericho is still in place. The same road is in place that was here during Jesus' story. It is a narrow and it is a treacherous road. It's 17 miles long. You've got cliffs and rocks and and portions of it, steep drop-offs on the other side. You have nooks and crannies and caves and places that people could hide in. And again, you're going down this road because Jerusalem is so elevated above sea level that you basically go down anywhere from Jerusalem, but you're going down this road to Jericho, and it's a dangerous and a treacherous road. And the word here is robbers. A good way to translate that is insurrectionists. Because, if, again, if you're an insurrectionist, if you're trying to create a rebellion, you need capital. And what's a good way to get capital if you're a violent and bloodthirsty person? What do you think? Robbery, right? Mugging. So it's a violent, it's a dangerous, and a treacherous road. And a, a, a parallel today might be, uh, you know, pick a, pick a city that's known for being dangerous, right? Um, Chicago. Detroit, you know, whatever, pick a city, an inner city, and you're walking through it in the middle of the night alone. Is that something you would do voluntarily? Probably not, right? But, but, that's, but that's kind of what this road is like, taking this road. And it, it was a road that people had to travel. And so as Jesus tells us, this man who's traveling down this dangerous road alone is, is jumped by robbers, he's stripped, he's severely beaten, and he's left for dead. Well, then a priest walks by. And as you're hearing the story, you might think, great, He's saved. Another another good ending point, right? That's the end of the story. The priest bandages him and takes him up and carries off and carries him off as I absolutely would do, by the way, as a priest. Let me justify myself. Um, but no, but but that's what I say. Like a priest goes by and, and carries, and no, that's not what happens. The priest walks around him to get by. Now, it's a narrow road, right? That's a stretch to try to walk around somebody. You can't, you know, it's not like when you're driving in the car and you see somebody in need, it's like, well, I've got, you know, it's on the opposite lane, side of traffic, so I've got all these lanes. No, it's a narrow road. You're right there. Walks around and walks on by. And the priests, you know, these were the ones who were responsible for the for, for sacrifice at the temple. They were the ones who were responsible for uh, the upkeep and maintenance of the temple. And he walks by, so then, then Jesus says a Levi walks by. Well, a Levite, this is, a, this is a terrible parallel, but if we're going to we try to think about this, a priest was a descendant of Aaron, but a Levite was a descendant of the tribe of Levi, and they were responsible for helping in the temple. They could be uh, temple security, they could be musicians, but they were the helpers. It was, it was I'm trying to think of a good parallel, kind of like uh, deacons that, that mostly stayed within the church and, and assisted the priests in what they did. So, a Levite walks by. Great, Levite. That's your job is to serve and to help and to care for others. You all know the story, right? This is, this is familiar. Levite walks right on by and keeps traveling. But a Samaritan… Now, that word has been kind of watered down for us. We have good Samaritan ministries. You know, here we do the yearly Samaritan soup bowl, right? Like, we, we think of the Samaritan as the good guy. But at that point, if you said a Samaritan, every self-respecting Jewish, Jewish person's eyes would open with shock they would feel a sense of revulsion and dread about where this story was going. You see, the Samaritans were hated, and when I say hated, I cannot find a good modern-day parallel to how hated the Samaritans were by the Jews. We don't have one, uh, and, and the reason is, is because of this. And I'm not going to do the whole history now, but uh, the kingdom went into back in the days of Solomon under his son Rehoboam, the kingdom went into a civil war north against south. We experienced that in this country, right? There was was a civil war that happened north against south, and the kingdom was forever split. The northern kingdom would go on to be Israel, and then Ephraim, and then Samaria, and the southern kingdom would be Judea. Well, at one point, the northern kingdom was taken out by Assyrians, um, and other Assyrians, and many of them get deported, but some Assyrians come in, and they intermingle, and they intermix with each other. They… marry each other. They marry their religions. And the Assyrians were brutal, awful people. They were awful people. And so they marry each other and they, and they intermix with each other. And then uh, time goes by. The Jewish people are also conquered and taken out. And then when they go back in, the Samaritans say, hey, let's, let's get back together. You know, it's been centuries. I know we have a lot of bad blood. Let's unite. But the Jewish people looked at these Samaritans. They said, no, you're half-breeds. And not only are you half-breeds, you're heretics because you have despoiled our faith. And not only are you heretics, but you're also rebellious. And you're rebels who murdered our brothers. We want nothing to do with you. And so the Samaritans go and they start heckling the Jewish people. They try to stop them from rebuilding the temple. And eventually the Samaritans go and they build their own place of worship, right? You've got two places of worship now. That's, that's the long and short of the history there. A lot of bad I was, again, trying to think of a modern parallel. You know how our politics has kind of gotten a little um, divided? Would anybody agree with that? Uh, and we've been kind of spiraling this way for what? A few decades now? A couple decades? Imagine if things continued to get worse at the pace that they're getting worse plus 700 years. Think about that for a second. 700 years of this increasing. That is how much the Jewish people and the Samaritans hated each other. And so, here we are, but a Samaritan. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denaro and gave them to the innkeeper look after him he said and when i return i will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have now i want to i want to try to cut off your your inner justifier at the past you ready just 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 i'm going to cut off your inner justifier at the past because i'm going to i'm going to reflect this and i want you to think about this for a second when you draw boundaries around people the people that you're supposed to love and to care for or even care about how do you draw them? We all do it. It's not just you, I do, but we all do it, right? You all have boundaries that you draw around the people that you're supposed to love and care for, or even the people that, at bare minimum, you're supposed to even care about. So, so reflect with me. How do you draw those boundaries? One, do you, do you draw them around a geographic area, right? Like, like I'm responsible for loving the people in my household, but not the people across the street. That's my geographic area. Or maybe yours is maybe yours is broader than that. Maybe yours is, you know, I love all the people in Vero Beach. But you know, let's not let's not look at Fort Pierce or Gifford or anything. Let's let's stay here. Or is it I love everybody in Florida, right? But those Georgians, whew, watch out. Right? Or is it I love Americans and that's it. Is that your geographic boundary? I love Western hemispherians, right? Like like there's gotta be like is that the way that you, you draw your boundaries? Or socioeconomic status, right? This is one way that we draw boundaries all the time. You and I both do it. Maybe you're one of those people that's like, you know, I really love the poor, but the rich are all selfish and greedy, so I don't like them. Or maybe you're like, you know, I, I, I really love the people who are well-off because it shows that they're competent and productive and take care of themselves, but the poor, well, they're just useless and lazy, how do you draw the boundaries of the people that you love and you care about? We all do it. How about political parties, right? Does anybody do that? Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I, trust me, it's, it's a huge temptation. I only care about the people that are within this boundary, and those are my neighbors, and the other people are not. Or, or how about this? Let's get real personal with like a one-on-one basis with people. Do you draw boundaries around people based on their likability or their competence or their sociability? I mean, where do you draw the line? Maybe you just like the people who are easy to like when they're easy to like. Maybe they're your neighbor, right? The people who are easy. Jesus actually speaks about this earlier in Luke. He said, and this is uh, Luke 6, 32, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that goes on to say, you know, if you, if you loan money only to those who, who will pay you back, what good is that? He says, no. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't draw the boundaries. Don't be tribal. So, first we limit the who. Would you all agree that that's a human temptation? We all limit the who. Let's look back at our story. We also limit the when. Look back at our story. You're on a dangerous road. Again, picture yourself, you know, downtown… Um, Detroit, in, in one of the abandoned areas, late at night, and you see a man who's beat up and bloody and you're alone. Your first impulse is going to be to get the heck out of there and call the police. Would you agree? Like, this is not the right time or place for me to assist this person. I got to go. We limit the win. I mean, even if, even if the man wasn't in danger of being attacked, it's a huge disruption to his schedule. Would you agree? To stop, get off his horse, get the man who's bleeding, is going to bleed all over his stuff, put him on the horse, get him to an inn, stay with him overnight at the inn, and then promise to come back to him. Would you say that's a disruption in his schedule? It's fascinating. Um, you know, our, our culture puts a, a really high, uh, what is it, s- s- sign of esteem on the idea of being busy. Like if you tell somebody you're busy, what you're really telling them is that you're important and you have a lot of responsibilities. Do you, you know that phrase, right? Like, oh, I'm really busy. But, I mean, instead of saying, you know, well, maybe I'm busy because I'm not managing my priorities right and I'm not good at time management, you know, I'm busy becomes kind of a proud badge that you wear to say, you know, I'm, I'm doing all of these things and isn't that great, and so why could I, how could I take time out of my busy schedule to help somebody else? Anybody do that? Anybody think that way? I don't have time for this right now? Yeah, I do too. So we limit the who, and then we limit the when. But we also limit the how much. We also limit the how much. The money that would have been given would have kept the man in the end, fully stocked, fully cared for for long enough to him to, for him to get back on his feet and on the road. It was, it was a not insubstantial amount of money. And not only that, the Samaritan said, "You know, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make sure that you're fully taken care of. And this is this is one of those interesting ones because yes it's true. You know what? Charitable giving in the US is on the rise and has been for years. That's great. I know that our parishioners are very generous and caring and giving people. I mean, we've experienced that and we're and, and it's a wonderful thing. But even so, but even so, there are people, even among us, for whom charitable giving is only done after their own comforts and needs, and their own standard of living has been met, and then you give out of the excess. Let me make sure that everything that I want is met, and then I can create my um, pocket out of which I can give to those who might uh, need it in the way that, they, that would help them the most. And so, for many of us, we, we limit to how much. It's like, you know, I will, I will give and give and give so long as I am not affected by this gift in a substantial way. That's all of us. It's most of us. So again, first we limit the who, and then we limit the when, and then we limit the how much. Now, is there anybody like me whose inner lawyer has stood up to object at all in the last ten minutes? Anybody? Mine has, and I wrote the dang thing, right? I mean, that's like you know, like like it's it's it's. I didn't write the Bible. I'm the sermon. Anyway. Um, you know, that, but that, that's where our hearts can go is, yeah, but this person, yeah, but this group, yeah, but this time, yeah, but my life. If you're bothered by any of this and the justifications have started boiling up, just stay with me for a second. Jesus knew this was a hard lesson. I mean, let's, let's finish off with the last few verses. When Jesus asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? What's the lawyer's response? Which of these things, Which of these men do you think was, you know, which of, these things, which of these men do you think was the neighbor? The lawyer can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. That's how much he hates them. He couldn't do it. He couldn't say Samaritan. Instead, he spits out the one who had mercy on him. That's all he can say. Jesus knew this was a hard lesson because the Samaritan in the story demonstrated full-out, genuine, and self-sacrificial love. And, and, and I want you to key in with me on this as we close. The type of love that the Samaritan exhibits is not a love that you can be guilted into. It's not a love that you can be shamed into. Now, one thing that struck me and I, I was trying to figure it out this week is why in the world when Jesus is telling this parable to the lawyer, doesn't he just put the lawyer in the place of the Samaritan as a moral example of someone that he could identify with and look up to? Why doesn't he do that? What do you think? Why, does, why, doesn't, why doesn't He just say, you know, here's a moral example – you've heard these morals, right, like Aesop's fables and these other moral examples, are like, just be like this, just be better, and you'll do it. You'll be fine. You'll be great. That's not, what, that's not what this story is about. Look back at the story and think, about through, think through who the characters are. Jesus puts the lawyer in the place of the man on the side of the road who has been beaten and bloody and taken out, and do you know who the person? on the horses. Do you know who the person on the horse is? The person on the horse in this story is the place of God. You see, there's something remarkable. Um, about the Christian life, and especially the early Christian centuries, is the Christians are the ones who, having identified with themselves, with the person who's broken and, and bleeding and beaten up on the side of the road, who know that they can't help themselves. I mean, if you're a Christian, that means that you could not save yourself and God had to save you, amen? That's what it means to be a Christian. If, you, if you're self-righteous and you don't realize that you need God's righteousness, then you, you might be in the wrong building, right? I mean, this is a place where we all understand our need and the fact that we need a Savior to come and pull us out of the mud someone to clean us up. And that's why the early Christians lived in such a way that everyone was their neighbor and they cared for them. Because you know what? Guilt won't get you to the place that you're going to love and care for others, but gratitude will. Empathy will. Knowing that you were the person on the side of the road until God cleaned you up. Do you think that the man that was saved and shown such grace was the same man that entered the inn as when he left the inn? Do you think he was the same man? Do you think that he ever walked around somebody who was broken and bleeding on the side of the road again? do you think that he ever did that? No, he was changed because he knew what spot he was in. You see, early Christians did this in a phenomenal way. Listen to this excerpt from a letter. Um, a couple emperors after Constantine, there was this emperor named Julian, and he was, he was a Roman emperor, and he did not want Christianity to be the state religion. He didn't want it to be healthy, and he wanted to destroy it. And so, but, but he was frustrated about all of these Christians because they just kept growing and they kept expanding. And so he was, he was frustrated, and he writes in a letter to Arsasius, the high priest of Galatia, and this is what he says. He says, you know, our programs, our lack of care for others is, is killing us. He says, he says, you know, why do we think that our programs are sufficient When we see that the kindness of the Christians to strangers and their care for the burial of their dead and the sobriety of their lifestyle has done the most to advance their cause. And he's frustrated. And then he goes on to say, for it is disgraceful when no Jew is a beggar and the impious Galileans, which is what he calls Christians, and the Christians, when no Jew is a a beggar, and the Christians support our poor in addition to their own. Everyone is able to see that the co religionists, our people, are in want of aid from us. It looks like the early Christians took this story seriously about spreading the boundaries of who are their neighbor because early Christians, all Christians, are the ones who know that they have been in the place of the person broken on the side of the road. And so, if I could offer one last word of wisdom from this text as we seek to expand the borders, the boundaries of those that we would consider neighbors, as we seek to turn outward to our spouses and to our families and to our friends and to our church and to our community and to our uh, to, to the world, as we seek to expand the care, to expand our hearts to take in more of those that we seek to care about, I would offer you one last encouragement. If you, if, you, if you find your lawyer speaking, if, you, if your heart… Sorry, lawyers. I keep using that. If you find your inner justifier speaking, right, if your heart starts to harden, I would encourage you to go back to that place that you remember being on the side of the road so that you can begin to serve people not out of a sense of guilt but out of a sense of gratitude for what Christ has done for all of us. Let's pray. Holy Father, You were a neighbor to us when we had done nothing to deserve it. While we were yet sinners, God, you died for us. There was nothing about us that made us inherently worthy to receive the love and care that you poured down for us. So, God, I pray that as we seek to find the ways that can best meet the needs of the people that you put into our life, you would help us remind, help remind us of who we are in the story so that our heart might be changed. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.